Amen. Let's stand for the reading of the word. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8. Paul's writing to the Romans chapter 8. say always thank you to the worship team. I can't thank you enough for what you do every Sunday. But um, I just want to tell you that you've led me into worship a few times. Here, here's the way a pastor's heart works. We'll have a service here. I'll feel God's presence. And then throughout the week, sometimes I need a little boost. Amen. How many know that? You need a little boost sometimes. And I have gone back to the recordings of the worship services here and felt the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so I'm so very thankful for that. I've got a little bit of a shadow over my Bible here, so I'm going to read from the screen if you'll help me, media team. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 15. We'll go quickly. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that which are in Christ Jesus. Someone say amen to that. If you have condemnation... You're not good enough. You'll never make it. That's not God speaking. That's the enemy speaking. When God speaks to your heart, he says, come closer. I know you may have fallen, but I'll help you up. God does not condemn. He convicts. Amen, somebody. Let's go back. I didn't finish that verse. Thank you. There is no, therefore, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after, there's the, there's the, qualification, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Next verse. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. What they lived under in the Old Testament, the law of sacrifice and sin and death, we're free from that through the law of life or the, the law of Christ Jesus. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, what we could not live good enough, Jesus did it good enough and died for us. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after, here it is again, who walk not after the flesh and its lusts and its desires, but after the spirit for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Worldly people do worldly stuff. Earthly people do earthly stuff. Amen? But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, they go to church on Sunday morning. They worship when they feel God's presence. They lift up the Lord. They lift the name higher than their emotions. Amen? That's what spiritual walking people do. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Anybody need a little peace? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Oh, that's a hard verse right there. I want to please God. Anybody else want to please God? So we must walk in the Spirit. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Thank the Lord. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. What? 
you're in the Spirit. If, so, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if any man have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, here's the kicker. He, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or bring to life your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. I think we get the point, don't you? <laughs> he said it a few times. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify or kill off the deeds of the body, that flesh, those desires, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We're getting to it now. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is a very beautiful word in Aramaic. It doesn't transfer very well to the English. It transfers father or daddy. But it's saying that the spirit of God that is in us cries out to the spirit of God saying, you're my father. And that we need that adoption so that we're not in bondage or fear. And so I want to preach to you for a little while about you have a heavenly father and the spirit that filled you lets you know it. Amen. Jesus, thank you for your word. We thank you for reminding us again how important it is to have a good father in heaven. Amen. You may be seated. I have this little thing that sits on my desk at home. And it's kind of a setup for disaster sometimes. <laughs> because, you know, have you been ever, I don't know anybody that has not gone through maybe one experience like this, but have you ever been set up for failure? Anybody? Someone asked you to do something and you knew you're not going to be able to do it very well. And, and you just, you had to do it because you were told to do it and it ends up, ends up not going too well. This is kind of the way this thing was for me when I first got it. It's like, be the dad you want them to remember. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm not so good at doing dad, you know. Um, so I just kept it there by the bed for a while, and then it moved into my office, and now it sits in my office. And every once in a while, I look at it. And while I was looking at it one time praying, the Lord told me, um, don't just be the dad in earthly things that you want them to remember. Be the dad in spiritual things that you want them to remember. And it helped me because I knew that I didn't have good examples, didn't have good role models in that area. But when I started becoming the dad that I wanted them to see spiritually, I started honing down what it is that I want them to have for the major characteristic that they see in their father. And some of you haven't had good fathers. I did not. I understand that. But when it gets to the end of all matters, spiritual guidance and spiritual fatherhood is the best thing you can show your kids. And I realized that if there is one thing I want them to remember their dad for, it's that I left my hand in the hands of the nail-scarred man named Jesus Christ. Amen. And we sang about it today that he, he leads us and he guides us and he holds us. Amen. We sang about that in worship service. And so we have to understand that when I say be the dad you want them to remember, I'm talking about spiritual things because we all as human beings make mistakes. Anybody want to be honest in the house of the Lord today? We make mistakes. We need God's grace. 
But we also need to understand that even as human beings, we need to be there for our kids and build those up around us in love and, and be um, that it's, it's worth giving our lives to, to be good fathers and effort to be good father figures and effort to be good dads and to, to be what God wants us to be as well as be present in our children's lives. Someone said amen. Amen. And so in all of those thinking and those thoughts, I began to look at that statement, Abba, Father, in Scripture there in, John, in Romans. And it's a, it's a colloquial form of father. It's used in when little Jewish children uh, would use that toward their fathers. And it's best translated, like I said, Daddy. But Jesus used it in Scripture and he opened up an understanding to us of the intimacy of that word, Abba. He opened up an understanding of the possibilities of the undreamed of and the unheard of intimacy between the father and a son. Amen. Those two roles where Jesus was talking about Abba, Father. He used it in the garden when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, there's several places in Scripture where it's referenced, but we see that the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father, in us. And so when you ever feel like you're abandoned or alone, all you need to do is have a prayer meeting and you walk out feeling like you've been adopted, that God literally from heaven will touch your heart and say, no, you're not alone. No, you're not abandoned. No, you're not without resource. No, you're not. I know your bank account may not look like it right now, but I have the ability to help you and to send funds your way and to open up doors and be the miraculous God that you need. If you just remember that you are my child and call me Abba Father, amen? And so it brings about an understanding of God's characteristic that he's not just a, the mad God of the Old Testament, amen, but he's the God who is tender and loving and courageous and kind and compassionate and forgiving. And, and, and like that, we understand that he, he loves us like a laughter in the morning. He loves us like comfort in the night. He's an Abba Father. He's a close Father. He's an intimate Father. He's Jesus close to us, amen. And so when we see in Mark 14, 36, Jesus praying as flesh to Father. We understand that that is his pattern for how he surrenders his will. And when we struggle with that, we can go to Scripture and we can see the example of Jesus to the Father in the sense that he prayed in his flesh because no God will ever pray. But God does not need to pray to God. We understand he prayed as his, as his flesh to the Spirit of God. And, and, and we see this release and this opening up in Scripture, and he said, Abba, Father, there, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. He's talking about having to go to that cross and crucifixion. Nevertheless, not my will, but what thou wilt, or nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Understand that when our spirit cries, Abba, Father, it opens us up to do the will of God. Amen? So when you go into that prayer meeting and you, you begin to get close to God, you start to have intimate moments with God in prayer, it releases you to do the will of God. And that's a very powerful point because I want you to recognize that we need to make a note to ourselves that intimacy with God releases you from your will to do God's will. 
Intimacy, write it down, brothers and sisters. Intimacy with God through prayer or through moments in time in, in the Word of God. Intimacy with God releases you from your will to do God's will. I made a note of it, and I keep on reminding myself of it because he is a good father. Amen. I, I love the devotion that Ken Gurley does, and he referenced a, a particular article written by Irma Bombeck, and she called it, I Remember Papa. And she said, when I was a kid, a father was like a light in the refrigerator. Every house had one, but nobody knew what either of them did once the door was shut. <laughs> My dad left the house every morning and always seemed, and always seemed glad to see everyone at night. He opened the jar of pickles when nobody else could. He was the one in the house who wasn't afraid to go in the basement by himself. He, was, he cut himself shaving, but no one kissed it or got excited about it. It was understood whenever it rained, he got the car and brought it around to the door. When anyone was sick, he got the prescription field, filled. He, sat, he set mouse traps cut back the roses so the thorns wouldn't clip you when you came to the front door. When I got a bike, Irma says, he ran alongside me for at least a thousand miles until I got the hang of it. I was afraid of everyone else's father but my own. Once I made him tea, it was only sugar water, but he sat in the small chair and said it was delicious. Whenever I played house, the mother doll had to do a lot or had a lot to do. I never knew what the daddy doll did, so I, I never knew what to do with the daddy doll. So I had him say, I'm going off to work, and then I threw him under the bed. <laughs> when I was nine years old, my father didn't get up one morning to go to work. He went to the hospital, and then he died the next day. I went to my room, and I felt under the bed for that daddy doll. And when I found it, I dusted it off, and I put her on the bed. He never did anything. I didn't know his leaving would hurt so much. I still don't know why, she said. Sometimes we don't understand the impact of a father in our life. But I want to give you a note to self. You have a heavenly father, amen. And he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And so today we make a, a great declaration in this place. He is heavenly. He does heavenly things. He's a good and mighty God, and he's everlasting, and he's overall, and he's my Abba Father, and I love him, and I adore him, and when I come here, I'm not lifting my hands for you to see me worship. I'm lifting my hands and saying, Daddy, would you pick me up? Daddy, would you hold me again? Daddy, would you lift me spirits? God, would you help me again? And I know my heavenly Father will always reach down and say, oh, I'll always carry you. I'll always put you in my arms. I always have a place of comfort for you because I am a heavenly father and I don't do earth, just earthly things. I do heavenly things. I will make you promises that are impossible in the earth and when they happen, you'll know it's a miracle because I'm a heavenly father and I do heavenly things. Amen.
Abba is always followed by the word Father in Scripture. And the phrase is found in three passages, Mark 14, Romans 8, as we read in Galatians 4. And I understand as I read through there that Abba, Father, is mentioned in relationship to the Spirit's work of adoption that makes us children of God and heirs with Christ. Someone said amen. And, in a, and again, in the context of adoption, we understand that the Spirit in our heart cries that Abba, Father, as I said before, but together the term terms, Abba and Father, doubly emphasize the fatherhood of God, that he'll never put you down and never let you go, and he's always holding your hand. As long as you don't pull your hand back, he will keep you upright. Whenever you trip and fall, he'll hold you and not let you fall too far. It's two different, two different languages we are assured of, that in the Aramaic, he's Abba, and in English, he's Father. It's put together so that we know that it has double force. We are assured of God care for his children in these passages. Amen. Many claim that all people are children of God. I mentioned this a little bit in Thursday night Bible study, but the Bible reveals quite a different truth. We, they use the word children of God, but we are all his creation. That's what we are. We are all creations of God and under his authority and leadership or lordship and all will be judged by him. Yes, that is true. But the right to be a child of God and call him Abba Father is something that only born-again Christians can do because it comes from the Spirit of God. And that's why it's important you get full of the Holy Ghost. We don't have to approve of that. We don't have to say that I, I believe it, so therefore it's true. It's true without you believing it, brothers and sisters. We are born again, John, John 1, 12 through 13. We find the scripture telling us very emphatically, but to, all who, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And the King James says he gave them power to become the sons of God. Understand that that word power shows up in Acts 2, when, or Acts 1, when it says you shall receive power power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Holy Ghost is essential in your life. And the reason why it's essential is the only way you have intimacy with God's Spirit. Amen. Your Spirit cries, Abba, Father, to His Spirit. So therefore, when He puts His Spirit in you, He puts not only resurrection power in you that you can get up if you go in the grave before He comes for His church, but He also puts the ability in you to know that you are a child of God and you are heir according to everything Jesus Christ died and purchased on that cross. We are born again, the scripture says. We were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh. Thank God because we read in Romans 8 that the will of the flesh only brings death. Thank God we were not born of that will. We were born of our mother in that will, but we're born out of that will when we're born again, nor the will of man, but of God. Amen. I'm so thankful that I know that I'm born of God because it tells me that even when I trip up, there is something inside of me that's working on the sins in my life and slowly removing them one by one. We'll take that out. We'll take that out. You're looking more like Jesus every day. You're looking more like God every day. Why? Because the Spirit's saying, this is what my daddy's like, and I want to be just like him. Amen? When we are born again, it tells us 
That it's more than just receiving Christ. It's more than just walking through a process or shaking a, car, a preacher's hand or signing a card. It's not that, no, brothers. It's being truly born again of water and of spirit. It is taking on new identity and you're a new heir. You have now, it doesn't matter what your background is before, but you have now a lineage of the line in the tribe of Judah. Amen. And you are a worshiper and a, you are a praiser. And then scripture tells us now there was one man named Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. He snuck out because he wanted to know what was going on. He didn't want to get seen and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs. In other words, he knew because of the miracles that you do. Unless God is with him, Jesus answered truly, or verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, unless one is born again, I was saying born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I know a lot of people say, oh, I was born this way. Well, you need to be born again a different way because you need to be born an heir of the promises of God. And he, Nicodemus is like, I don't, I don't understand. How can a man be born again? Can, can he be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, <laughs> Uh, face slap, you know. Truly, I say to the unless unless one is born of water and of spirit, of baptism and spirit infilling, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say this unto you. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but, do, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone that, who is born of the Spirit. In other words, God will fill you with his Spirit. God will cleanse you in baptism. You have to be born of water and of Spirit. Amen. Anybody been baptized in the name of Jesus? Been born of water. Amen. Anybody been born of Spirit? Amen. I'm so grateful that I know we can walk into the family of God through being born again. God redeemed the curse of sin, amen, and made us heirs with God. I'm so glad he reverses curses. <laughs> I'm so glad he knows how to do that. I'm so glad he doesn't only just have a pencil lead and he's writing out the story of our life, but he can flip over the pencil and write out something, amen? Only God can blot out something where it's never remembered again, amen? God can blot out entire civilizations. He can take your sin as far as the east is from the west, amen, and water baptism. He can, bore, he can bear up all those things and bury them in, under his blood, amen? Part of that new, I know I say amen a lot, but I really believe this. Part of that new relationship is that God's now, God now deals with us differently as well. When you're born again, he deals with you as children. He doesn't deal with you the same way. And it's a life-changing moment to understand what it means to be called a child of the one true and living God, that the Father of all creation is now your father and that you have something living inside of you that is an earnest of your inheritance. He makes a down payment on what heaven's going to feel like by putting his spirit inside of you. Amen. So the joy that comes over you when you're worshiping God is kind of what it's going to feel like. Over, it's a little bit of what it's going to be like over there. Amen. 
The excitement you feel when God does something amazing in your life, that same excitement, that same spirit-initiated excitement is going to be a little bit of what it's like over there. Amen? And so I'm thankful. Becoming a child of God is the highest and most humbling honor. And we should understand that we need to honor our Father and our behaviors in this earth because he has bought us with a precious price. Amen? So we see that he never forsakes. He never leaves behind. And then we write a note to ourselves from Scripture that I have a heavenly Father. So in the fatherhood aspects of life, I, I hope I do okay. I sometimes feel like I don't. Um, I'm a little bit humorous sometimes whenever I deal with my kids. I remember one time we were in the car going through the bank teller, and uh, they had chocolate milk. And one of them, or something. I, well, they had French fries, and they had spilt them on the floor. I think, uh, like all over the place. And I looked back, and I did one of those dad things. Oh, you know, like got my car dirty. And I'm like, that's it. <laughs> Put my fist down. That's it. There'll be no more food in this car. And right, it right as I said that, the teller opened up, and out came my deposit and three lollipops. And, uh, so I reached up and I grabbed it and I saw the lollipops right as I got done with the high hand, you know, handed, no more food in this car. And I'm holding the lollipops and the deposit and I go, here, have a sucker. <laughs> it was the biggest hypocritical moment of my life. And my kids still to this day will be doing something and I'll be like, okay, that's it. We're not doing that anymore. And then about five seconds will pass and my son will go, here, have a sucker. <laughs> it's like it lives in infamy in our home. The moment of hip hypocrisy is so real. <laughs> but all those, all those different moments of fatherhood, are, are, you can laugh at them because um, even in the humor, in the good times, I want them to know that I'm there for them. And you need a father that walks with you, amen? That, that's willing to be exposed and say, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm human. I, I don't get everything right. And, and they need to see that. They need to see you trip and fall but get back up again, right. not stay down. They, your children need to see you make mistakes or sometimes they need to see you have struggles with tension and anger and they, different things. But then have them also see you go, hey, you know, I was, I, my nerves were on end and I was afraid there and I, I was a little bit afraid and, and, and I want to... Um, I want to apologize. They need to see you apologize when you don't live godly or up to, up to the standard that you know you want to. But we do need those fathers walking with God and walking in God's will. Amen. I believe we need present fathers. I, would need, I believe we need fathers that are walking with God and, and whenever they miss, they miss their morning devotions or they, or they don't get something right, you see them redouble their efforts and get back into that prayer room at 6 a.m. or get back into that Bible reading or, or take their kids and say, okay, we're going to do the book of James. You know, let's read together and find a way to do spiritual in, intrusion in their life, you know, and just, hey, let's do some memory verses. Let's do something. Let's, when we sit at the table, let's come up with a verse that we're all going to learn. Do something to, so that they can see you trying to lead the home as priest of your home. Amen. Because we all need to understand that we're not just celebrating fathers today, but we're celebrating fathering. We're celebrating the attributes of a daddy. I know 
we will take on the characteristics if we spend time in God of his nature. You'll become loving and more kind and there'll be strength there and you will, you will be encouraging contact and not pushing kids away. You will build blessings for the next generation. Why? Because you're walking with God. And as you walk with God, men, you become more like him, amen? And because you become more like him, you start to learn and take on characteristics of your heavenly father. I want to say something to single mothers in, in this room. I'm not sliding them in any way, but we do need fathers in the home. If you're a single mom and you're carrying all the load, I pray for you. I know it's not easy. My mother did that, and I love you, Mom. I know you're listening. I love you for all you did, but we do need fathers in the home. I reached out to a young man who's fatherless in our congregation this week, and I was just talking to him a little bit, and I said, I know you know how this feels coming up on a weekend where we celebrate fathers, and, and you didn't have your father close, or father wasn't in the home. And I said, I'm not, and he's like, yeah, it's, it's tough. I said, I'm not sad. I'm just a little meh, you know, during the week. And he's like, yeah, me too. He knows what that's like, and I wanted to encourage him. We know the statistics, brothers and sisters. 85% of youth in prison come from a fatherless home. 71% of high school dropouts have no father in the home. 90% of homeless or runaway children have no father in the home. Right now, 25 million children live without their biological father in their home in the U.S. 25 million. This is a message they need to hear, that when they get full of the Holy Ghost, they take on a heavenly father. Amen? They need to hear this message. 60% of suicides are from fatherless homes. This is Father's Day. We're, we're focused on the fathering of not only just the fathers who have biologically created a son or a daughter, but, but men who have taken on the role of a father in a church or in an organization or in a big brother's organization or a place where they do something, where they help a younger generation. It's, it's for all men, not wrapped up in themselves, but the give themselves to others, who touch the lives of others, men who refuse to give up on the younger generation, men who refuse to see them fall and not get up back up again, men who find time to be involved in their children's life, earthly fathers that walk with their heavenly father, change the future of this planet, brothers and sisters. We have to understand, thank God for such men. I'm not talking against women that have to raise their children alone, but I am talking toward the homes that need men in them because it is a statistical proof that without fathers we suffer in our nation. We suffer as a society. So today we rise up on Father's Day and we say thank God for good men who put themselves on the back burner to help their family and to help those that they love. You're not wasting time giving yourself men to God and giving yourself to your family. You're doing something that changes the world. And it's what makes dad, dad, amen? What makes a dad? God took the strength of a mountain, the poem says, the majesty of a tree, the warmth of the summer sun, the calm of the quiet sea, the generous soul of nature, the comforting arm of night, the wisdom of the ages, the power of eagles, flight. The joy of a morning in spring, the faith of a mustard seed. 
the patience of eternity, the depth of a family need. Then God combined these qualities when there was nothing more to add. He knew his masterpiece was completed, so he called it dad. That's the power of a man that walks with God. Not a man that just tries to do it all right and hopefully it turned out right. Yes, it's good to have justice in all the things that a man brings to a home. We know, we know that psychologists tell us this is not something we have to learn. Psychologists have already studied it and told us that moms bring sympathy and grace and care and a sense of hope to the home. Amen? But dads bring an accentuation of justice and fairness and responsibility and a sense of right and wrong. That is missing in the homes of 23 million American kids. And we need to pray into being the greatest revival that has ever hit the earth. Not just because they need to be born again, but because there's an echo inside them looking for a father to call on. There's an echo inside them of their spirit needing to find a connection to their heavenly father so the world stops being orphans. So 25 million kids, imagine a 25 million soul revival of young people people who do not have a father but are drawn to God who is their heavenly father. And so I present to you today not just that people need salvation, but people need a heavenly father in their life. And it's going to create a vacuum of Holy Ghost revival because it's the Holy Spirit that cries, Abba, Father. And I preach to you today. I'm excited about the potential of reaching millions with a a message that he is your heavenly father. He has come to save you, to sanctify you, to pick you up again. There's revival to be had, brothers and sisters, and there's boys and girls to gather around the throne of God and say, you are loved, and you are cherished, and you are held, and you are hoped for, and there is something different. When men want to win, and they can't seem to find a place to win. They can hold on to the Heavenly Father's hand and show their kids how to win spiritually no matter where they come from, no matter what they've gone through. I don't know if you don't know this. You, I'm sure you probably will resonate with it, but the reason why we're losing men in our culture is because society tells them men are no longer needed. I say that is a lie from the pits of hell. Men are needed in the church as pillars in the community. Men are needed in churches as the prayer warriors. Men are needed in church as lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Amen. We need strong faith in our church, and it comes from strong men in our church. Amen. Men are told more and more to be accepted. They have to look, act, and behave more like women in our society. Those, the climb, the, the, the mountain of boyhood to manhood journey is so much steeper than it ever has been before. And men are checking out of their responsibilities because they want to win. Men want to do something. Men want to, men want to affect change. They want to move the needle. And whenever they come to church and they don't have a place to work or to do or to help, then they start to feel like, well, something's wrong. I'm not valued here. And we need men in the church. This church 
church. And the Bible does not give a message that men are not valuable at the house of God. Oh, they are. Women are too. We need men and women of God. Amen. But we need, amen, men who rise up and say, even when it's hard to get here, I'll be here worshiping. Even when it's difficult for me, I'm going to praise the name of the Lord. Even when I don't have everything pulled together, I'm going to lift up the most high because he is a father worth worshiping. Men want to win and they feel like they're losers in relationships, so they check out. They feel like it's impossible to win, but I want you to know, brothers, you are winning as long as your hand is in the hand of the Father. You may stumble, trip, and fall, but he's not going to let you fall down forever. He'll hold you up. And so if you come in here and you don't have any background, if you're like me and you never had a model of a good father to show you exactly what to do, just get a hold of this word of God and hold on to the hand of your father, and he will help you build a safe home for your kids, a home that's removed of abuses, a home that gives them hope and joy and peace, and they will do things and do exploits for their kids. Heavenly Father, because you knew how to hold on to the hand of your father. Amen. So note to self, be the dad you want them to remember, not because you do everything right, but because you held on to the hand that held you. Amen. Never let go. Stand to your feet if you would. And the final note to self in this sermon is never let go of the father's hand. I'm so thankful I know that Jesus came and died for me. I'm so thankful I know that the Father's rescue was for him to come in flesh, amen? I'm so thankful that I know that I'm not just holding on to the hand of a righteous and a holy God because I can feel like I'm not sometimes worth enough or I don't, I don't have enough going right for me. But I, whenever I reach up and I take a hold of the hand of Jesus, I know it's the Father in flesh who was pierced for my sins. And whenever I take a hold of those nail scar hands, I know he loves me. And I can run boldly to the throne of grace in my time of need. Amen. And so whenever I have a need that rises in my life, I don't have to worry whether my Father will receive me or not. When I go to tell him a problem in my life, I don't have to worry of him condemning me and saying, you're so stupid and you're never going to get this right. No, he doesn't condemn. Remember, we read it. He, can, he convicts and he says, you know what? I can help you with that. I have resources to help you with that. I can get you through this. You're going to make it out of this. You're going to be better than you were yesterday because you kept your hand in the hand of your father today. And I'm thankful for this message that I can bring to you and say, I know it works because it works for me. And if it works for me, little old me, it'll work for you. If it can bring me out of where I came from, it can bring you out. Amen. He is the superlative of all things and he can do it well. And I'm thankful for that. And I, and I just have such a love for my heavenly father because he's gracious. Some of you may have gone through some difficult things where you lost your father, I want you to know you still have a heavenly father to hold on to. And God is holding on to what you've lost. Amen. He knows what's come into your life and he knows what goes out of your life. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Anybody want to lift a hand and just bless your heavenly father right now? 
I'd like to ask the worship team to come back and sing that last song that they sing where they're talking about He Holds Us. I know this is going to be a surprise to them. I thought of it while we were doing worship service and forgot to ask, but I'm going to have them come back and sing this as we do the altar call. They're going to spool it up and get all the electronics ready and the technology, but while we're doing that, can you just lift your hands and thank God for being a good and heavenly Father? Can you just thank Him for all that He's done for you, that He held you, that He's a Father who brings you in and doesn't push you out. No, He doesn't leave you out in the cold. He doesn't leave you in a place where you can't be taken care of, but he always brings you in, warms you up, keeps you comforted. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit that cries, Abba, Father. I thank you, Lord. Amen. Would you put your hand over on someone next to you and just pray for them right now? I don't know what they're going through, and and quite honestly, God does, and I don't have to know. But there's somebody that may be watching or listening online, and you feel orphaned. You feel left alone. You feel like God is not near. But I want you to know if you just reach for his hand, his hand will be there. He'll take you by the hand, and he'll hold you. He'll lead you out of whatever sin you may be in. He'll lead you out of whatever troubles you might be going through. He'll lead you out of whatever emotions and feelings have tried to bury you this weekend. He'll lead you to a place where you can truly say, It's good to be home. It's good to be home. You can have that moment in Jesus Christ right now. In Jesus Christ right now. As we sing, would you just open yourself up to a moment in God's intimacy? My Father, Creator, you hold our hearts together. There's no the altar's open if you want to find a place and just say, thank you, Father, for never giving up on me. And then turn that blessing into a commitment. Lord, because you never give up on me, I'm never giving up on my kids. Because you never give up on me, I'm never giving up on those that I am an example to. Come on, somebody. Redouble your efforts of selflessness. Redouble your elf efforts of service to those around you. Say, I'm going to be everything you want me to be, Jesus. Could be everything you want me to be, Lord. Every man in this room needs a blessing from the Lord today. Jesus' name. Give us strength, Lord. Your grace for me is always enough. Thank you, Jesus. There is no one higher than our God. No one higher than you, Jesus. There is no one higher than you. Thank you for being my heavenly Father. Let my life forever praise the glory of your name. There is no one higher than you. Let's make this whole room an altar right now and let's just thank God. Let's thank God. Would you put your children, if they're wayward children, if you have prodigals, would you put them in the hands of the Lord today? Would you ask God to just reach out to them and pull them back? Bring them home, I pray. Bring them into relationship with their Father again. Jesus' name. Your glory knows no measure. There's no one.